This is the Transmission Times. This week, my boyfriend found out that he came into contact with somebody who was uh, positive. And it was when he had to go to his office to pick up some things. So he got a bit of a scare. And I saw he had like a moment of trying to remember as many details as possible about the interaction. Did they shook hands or not? Did he disinfect his hands afterwards, even if they did? But I, for some reason, was very relaxed. It's like you kind of do the best that you can. And if you do that and you're okay with what you're doing, then the rest is out of your hands. So I think nature is very powerful. I mean, as humans, we kind of think we're the center of the earth all the time. And this has reminded me that we really aren't. When we were at home and everywhere around the world was on lockdown pretty much, it was amazing to see all the animal life that was coming out. We had a flock of hornbills that uh, started coming to our neighborhood in Singapore. I've only ever seen one hornbill in my six years here, and now I've seen tons of them in the past six months just flying all around our neighborhood. And then Singapore is a very manicured city. All of the bushes are cut and all of the grass is cut. And as we were all indoors and no one was here to do those jobs, jungle just sort of started to take over the city. It felt like everything started to grow so rapidly that I could see if humans were not here beating it back all the time. I feel like the whole city would just be covered in vines and jungle within a year. I'm actually from California, so I'm watching the fires there closely with my friends and family there and uh, it's like you can have a pandemic and still fire season and because of the changes in our global climate they get worse every year so it's just a reminder I don't know how small we are in a way After a long phone talk with a good friend and many hours of facing my inner demons, something palpable shifted. I seem to have arrived on another shore of this situation. I will still have blue times, but I'm feeling an energy and optimism I haven't felt since it all started. To use this time for another opportunity for reinvention, just as when my husband died. For years, I've searched in vain for a quote I found at some point by the novelist Robert Stone. The gist of it was that we are always reinventing ourselves, but there are some important crossroads where reinvention is especially vital, and I'm pretty sure this is one of them. August is nearing its end, and there are already hints of autumn. The leaves have tinges of yellow, and the temperature has dropped rapidly following a heat wave, and that is a signpost towards Christmas. The start of term was always marked by a cool nip in the air in the early morning. 
As a mother, this time of year meant getting new school uniforms and lunch boxes and getting my children's feet measured, ready for their new shoes. This year, you have to book an appointment to get the children's feet measured, and this is problematic. So my grandchildren are being measured at home with a home measuring kit and we're ordering the shoes online. Another tradition that's gone. I worry that I may never have dinner with my immediate family again because my sister lives in supported housing because she has an intellectual disability and she lives some few miles from my parents' house. But my parents are in their 70s and I live in D.C. And, you know, it's impossible for all of us to quarantine before we see each other. Maybe things will work themselves out a bit. But at this point, I don't know if and when the four of us will ever be together, which I find incredibly profound and awful to think about. On the other hand, I have so many memories of so many wonderful, awesome dinners. We would have these dinners around the dining room table at my parents' house with candles, and my dad's really into filet, so I have memories of making filet and asparagus and mashed potatoes and drinking good wine and and having a great family conversation. And I cannot get my brain around that that may not happen again. During the summer, we've been allowing ourselves to see family more with meetings in the garden and local walks. Now we're thinking about how we can prepare for winter and continue to see the family as it will be more difficult to meet outside when the evenings are dark and my grandchildren will be back at school. We're thinking about getting a fire pit and a gazebo to help keep us dry and warm but maybe that won't encourage anyone to visit. We've been told the virus thrives in the cold, so it looks like it could be a long and lonely winter. Been having a week. Burst into tears the other day for what felt like no apparent reason. And I think I'm just really recognizing that I haven't stopped to appreciate all of the feelings that have gone with this time. The loss of normal, the grief, the anger, the sadness, and it was all because my granddaughter said, when can I have a sleepover, Gaga? And that was really hard. We've had to change some of our ways that we visit because of some health issues, and it's just been hard. I've had these sort of nostalgic moments. It almost feels like deja vu, but I'm not reliving the moment. I'll just have the most random memories come to me. And it's not big events in my life. It's just little things that I enjoyed or I miss, like having cannolis with my grandmother or just randomly thinking about breaking up with an ex-boyfriend. Or I have these little memories that I feel like in my normal life, my non-pandemic life, I would never think about. And maybe it's just the stillness, so they rise up. In a way, it's kind of nice to have those memories. I feel like I'm 93 and I'm at the end of my life or something, and I'm (laughs) remembering my life fondly. When this pandemic all started back in, it's kind of March for me, I don't remember being afraid. I mean, sure, I was scared for my parents. I was scared for people that seemed most vulnerable 
to this disease. But I remember also the whole time, you know, trusting that when we got it, because that was the idea, it was all about flattening the curve. We're all kind of going to get it, but let's make sure we don't overwhelm the hospitals. I just remember trusting my body completely, knowing that we would be able to get through this, that my family, we would stay strong and there'd be no problem. And I still feel that. I still believe that we're going to be okay. I would say COVID stress is unique. My other anxieties really centered around you know, like events, right? Like postpartum. What if I failed a test when I was in school or, you know, I got into a car accident, all these things. And, you know, it was the thoughts would just keep going from there. But COVID anxiety is more suspicious. It's like I get suspicious of people like, do you have coronavirus? Do you think I have coronavirus? Then you're like, oh my goodness, these people must think I'm like dirty. I'm not dirty. I'm I'm not infected. And then it almost makes you mad. And you have to really stop and realize that you actually just made up a story, right? That's it's not the truth. I hear these accounts of these doctors, these narratives that keep getting taken off of social media, taken out of the news. They're being suppressed and being regulated. And these doctors are saying that we don't have that influx of people. We don't see people dying. And we're being asked to define deaths as COVID deaths when that's not what we're seeing at all. And and now fear comes up for me. Not fear of this virus, but fear of like, what, what are we doing? Like, how easily are we afraid into just compliance, right? And I think of, you know, how... <laughs> Other dictators have used fear to manipulate populations to give away more and more of their freedom. And my fear is, you know, we give away these freedoms. You don't get those back. <laughs> They're much easier to give away than they are to reclaim. And what scares me so much is how quickly people will hand over their liberties in exchange for what they think is security. And they're listening to the one main narrative on the news on social media and it's terrifying it's terrifying and I'm scared I can't sleep at night we went on a trip recently to Maryland and I at the very last minute I was like oh my goodness this is the dumbest idea we've ever had <laughs> like what on earth possessed us to go to Maryland on a plane with four children during a pandemic. You know, I was just like, this is so stupid. So I'm talking to him about it and just just talking about how it's like, do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? We have to wear a mask the whole time. We come back, we all need a COVID test. Is that worth it? Is it not? We're going to go see family, family from the West Coast who are visiting, blah, blah, blah. It just, all of these things, back and forth, ping pong in your head. And he's just like rolling his eyes at me as I talk about these things. And then I yelled at him and I said, you just think this is all a conspiracy theory. You and your articles and your podcasts and all the guys you listen to. And they just all think that this is made up, that it's all political and this and that. 
And I couldn't believe I said that after I said it. I'm like, now coronavirus is causing a problem in my marriage because I'm suspicious of my own husband. And it, it was just really weird and new. I've never felt that about him. But in the moment, I was very convinced 100% that he was in this other group of people that I don't want to associate myself with. But then again, do I associate myself with him? Do I think that a lot of this is political and not medically sound advice? Probably. So then who am I? My daughter goes back to school next week and all the parents have gathered together talking about, let's make sure we're all wearing our masks all the time. And it's not done without great cost. What cost? I don't think we know yet. You know, there's some talk about the oxygen and how well we breathe and blocking our noses from being able to breathe the way that we're supposed to breathe. And I just know our bodies are not meant to be covered in masks, especially children. I have a four-year-old and she's going back to this school and they showed a video about how the new world is going to be. And you get there, you arrive, and before they get out of their car, they've got to put on their mask to cover their faces. And they take their temperature and they go into school and they're separated from their peers with plexiglass and they're constantly using chemicals to wipe things down and clean things off and the exposure to the chemicals. And they're not allowed to touch each other. They're not allowed to get up and interact. And this is the concept of the Montessori school is being able to move. And now they're not allowed to. And I'm like, this is no life for a child. And I'm sending my, my baby, the most precious thing in my world, into this new world, doused with fear of something that I don't think is actually that scary. I think the media has hyped up most of it. And I feel very alone. I feel extremely isolated and I am looking for my allies. I'm looking for other people to question the narrative that we're being fed and wonder what the heck is going on. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Sue, Laura, Brianna, Joan, Anna, Warren, Christina, and Amanda whose voices are coming to you from Maine, Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, California, New Hampshire, Singapore, the U.K., and Romania. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times has been collecting audio diaries from people around the world. But there are many stories we haven't heard, and if yours is one of them, we'd love to hear from you. Please record your stories of life during the pandemic, either on your smartphone and then you can email it to us at transmissiontimes at gmail.com or call our phone number 847-354-4163 and leave a voicemail. Thank you. The Transmission Times is created by me, Katie Semro. Yeah.